0: Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message.
1: Welcome everybody. Online welcome. So glad you're here with us and you've joined us on a great day because today we are launching our series from the book of John. It's chapters 13 to 17 and it's an incredible spot in the Bible because Jesus spends his ministry ministering to the world and then in these last few chapters, he knows he's going to the cross, so he knows he's going to die. So he turns his total attention towards the disciples. And he imparts to them in this space everything he thought they needed to know when he was gone. So we've, in, we've titled this series, When I'm Gone, and it's going to go across five weeks morning and night. Now I'm hearing this language from Roz. Every now and then she says, Mindy, when I'm gone, don't forget to do this. Don't forget to do that. So I've been making a list. You know what last week's was? Don't forget to play games, Mindy. When I'm gone, gotta remember to play games. But actually I saw this in my own dad too. So just a little story for you. Um, I lost my dad about 10 years ago to cancer and he lost his license as part of that journey. And so I would drive him around in his car to his appointments, wherever he needed to go at the time. And this one day, I didn't actually know it was his last week on the earth, and this one day we're driving up Hillsborough Road and he suddenly says to me, pull over, Mindy. So I pulled over and he got me to pull into the 7-Eleven. And I thought maybe he was feeling sick, as he often did, maybe a bit of nausea, so I'll pull over. But he wanted me to pull up to a petrol bowser at the 7-Eleven, which I thought was odd because we were over half full in the tank. But he said, Mindy, I want to show you how to fill up the car. I'm a 30-year-old woman. Come on, Dad. (laughs) But it was an LPG car, which I hadn't really thought about. And so he showed me the nuances and where you had to pull up and making sure you twist the nozzle so the gas doesn't escape and all those little things. And I had this beautiful exchange with my dad in his final days where he taught me something that he knew I needed to know when he was gone because he knew I'd have to take care of the car for Mum for a little while. And we need to work things out together. So it was a beautiful moment of being fathered and being loved and him preparing me. So these words, these scriptures that we're sharing for the next five weeks, they're gonna prepare you for the things Jesus thinks that you need to know. So don't miss out. It's gonna be morning and night. You might wanna come back in the night as well to hear the next exciting installment, which tonight will be Russ. All right, so just a little bit of background because we are launching it today. I want to encourage you to read the whole book of John. The book of John is a very exciting and different gospel. There's four gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke. Matthew, Mark and Luke are known as synoptic. They can be seen together, similar timelines. But the gospel of John is very different. Um, It was written a lot later than all of the other gospels. So when John wrote it, he had access to all the other gospels. And I can imagine it went like this. Like he's preaching. He was In the church of Ephesus at the time. And so he's preaching. And I can imagine you're listening to incredible sermons. Imagine John preaching in church. And he's sharing all these exciting stories that hadn't been included in the other Gospels. Things he remembered from being with Jesus. Which is pretty exciting. And I can imagine the church were thinking, John, you need to write your book. You need to write your book. He's thinking, no, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they did a good job. They've got it covered. Until they say the Corinthian church at the time had a lot of heresy. Some false teachers snuck in and they were saying, Jesus, he was just a man. He wasn't really God. He was just a man. So that was the teaching that was sneaking into the church. And I can imagine John got defensive on behalf of his Jesus. And he thought, I'm going to show them who Jesus really was. It's my imagination about how that happened, but. When you read the Gospel of John, his total focus is to prove that Jesus was the Son of God. And so if you're trying to search about the identity of Jesus, the Gospel of John is the one to read doesn't worry about the parables. He doesn't worry about the timelines. He doesn't even tell you about the birth of Jesus. He just gets straight in there and tells you who Jesus is. So you're going to enjoy that when you read the book of John. And a couple of other things I want you to enjoy. I want you to enjoy the little details that the other gospels miss out that I think sometimes John just slips there for a bit of fun. Um, Also, there's a lot about the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John. More mentions of the Holy Spirit than any of the Gospels and I imagine again in my imagining world that because this is written later in the timeline of the church that John just had a deeper revelation of the understanding of the need for the Holy Spirit within the church and for the work of the church on the earth. The last thing you will really love about the book of John is that it's written with incredible intimacy. John called himself the disciple that Jesus loved, and he was very close to Jesus. And as you read, particularly as you read these few chapters we're going to cover now, they are the most intimate chapters with Jesus in the entire Bible. So I want to read to you the scriptures we're going to cover today, which is from the Gospel of John. We're doing chapter 13 verses 1 to 17, and I want to invite one of the creative team to read it to you, which is Daryl. coming up, Daryl, because I want you to sense the intimacy that John has when he writes and this beautiful moment that is created between Jesus and the disciples. Take it away, Daryl.
0: It was just before the Passover feast, and, and Jesus knew that something had come. For him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray Jesus. But Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, why are you going and why are you washing my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing. But later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then the Lord said, Simon Peter, and he replied, not just my feet, Lord, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, a person who has a bath needs only to wash his feet, not the whole, but the whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes on and returned to his place. Now, do you understand what I have done, Jesus said, for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is who I am. Now that I, the Lord, and your teacher have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you this truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them.
1: Wow. This was an example that Jesus wanted to set for us. And you know what he says at the end? He's going to bless us if we do them. That's the grace of God, isn't it? He doesn't just ask us to do these things. He says, you know what? You're going to be blessed. So let's look at what he's asked us to do. In the passage, what did he do? Looking through, I thought let's have a foot washing ceremony. Maybe that will make us blessed, but it might be a bit logistically difficult today. But let's look through what he did was he loved them. He served them and he made them clean. So let's start with the first one. He loved them. Having loved his own who were with him, he was now going to show them the full extent of his love. That this is the full extent of his love. And if I think about what that looks like in the passage, I think it probably looks like Judas, because the passage told us that Judas was going to betray him. So obviously the full extent of his love is loving that one that is difficult to love. And it kind of blows my mind. um, Knowing that Jesus was watching the heartbreak of someone who was moving into darkness... And I don't know if you've had someone in your world like that where you're just watching them make poor choices. No one else but me. <laughs> I've seen it. You know, interestingly, it mentions in the, in the scripture there that Judas was the son of Simon. And what a bummer to be in the Bible as the parent of the one who betrayed Jesus, the only place you're ever mentioned in the whole Bible. And I do need to tell you that I parent three teenagers right now, not just one, three of them at once, And you know, we did have a little incident last year, and because we have some great highs with teens, let me tell you, it was lots of fun parenting teens, but there's some real lows. One incident last night, last year, we did feel really betrayed personally by one of our kids. Now, it's all worked out now, but at the time, what do you do? What do you do with that? And Jesus told this interesting parable. In Matthew, you're not going to read it in the Gospel of John. He didn't put the parables in. But Matthew 13 talks about the Gospel of the wheat and the weeds. And the farmer had sowed wheat in the fields. And then the enemy came along and sowed weeds as well, which is a farmer I find really annoying when my compost has got some bad seed in it. Um, And the servant said, what do we do? And the farmer said, you know what? Let them grow up together. You know what that meant? He had to feed them, water them, tend for them, care for them, exactly the same. And then he said the harvest is going to work it out at the end. And so what I take from that is that with the challenges and the people in our world that are just that little bit harder to love, the parables telling us love them, take care of them, just the same, the kids and just trust God to work it out in the end and that's what Jesus was doing in this moment he was loving Judas just the same and trusting that God was going to work everything out in the end and you know even in that you can think all right parents who blames themselves a little bit of self-blame but Jesus had a perfect relationship with Judas and still there was nothing that he could do So sometimes we just got to trust God to work it out for us in the end. And the other interesting thing was, you know, John as an outside observer is watching how Jesus loved Judas and he didn't leave him out in the foot washing and all of those experiences. So it shows you that from the outside observer, he's saying he's showing him the full extent of his love. And so I challenge my own soul and wonder if someone looked from the outside would they be saying for the people that are harder to love have I shown them the full extent of my love I don't know that I can say that but I'd like to Jesus set the bar a bit high Jesus come on but the next thing he did was he served them and this was part of the love he showed for all the disciples and Jesus actually said you should be doing this to me which was true Because in that time there was no high schools, no colleges. So what they actually were supposed to do was find a teacher and follow them around. And this is what the disciples actually did. And part of the payment was you were meant to serve them. It actually was a contract. When you followed a teacher around, you were meant to call them master and teacher as the disciples did, and it was your job in exchange for the teaching to serve them and take care of them. But this was the lowest of jobs, so of course the disciples didn't think that was necessary, but Jesus still did it. So let's face it, washing feet is a terrible job. Feet are weird. Start there. I was actually going to show you a picture of my bare feet and John's bare feet, and you know, the difference between our feet is astronomical. <laughs> I didn't want to embarrass you, babe, so I didn't put it up. Um, but they walked around on dusty, dirty roads and they wore sandals. So this is pretty gross. Uh, but here, Jesus washes their feet, takes on the lowest job. And it's really interesting how John describes it. And as he describes it, he unfolds a bit of theology, which is quite amazing. He says first that Jesus laid aside his outer, his outer garment Isn't that interesting that they tell us that story? He lays aside his outer garment. And it's a picture of Jesus choosing to lay aside his glory when he comes to earth. And the outer garment is really fascinating and it's very theological because Jesus' outer garment was special. Later on we find out when Jesus is being crucified and the the soldiers are casting lots for his garment that it was made of one entire piece. It's very special. One entire piece. So special the soldiers were trying to figure out who gets it. And it was made of one entire piece because it was meant to represent the high priest. Because in the Old Testament, the high priest's uniform was one entire piece. Normally a tunic is made of two pieces, one piece. And when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, on the Day of Atonement, he had to wear this garment. And Jesus, on the day he went to the cross, wore the same garment as the high priest. And before he went to the the cross, his garment was taken off him. And in this moment, he also takes off the one thing that is the future representation of his full holiness to be able to enter the holy of holies. And he takes that aside to wash the disciples' feet. And then we know he puts a towel around his waist, which is a sign of someone who is here to serve. And we, can you put the Philippians verse up? I just can't move past this moment without saying, and we quoted this earlier, He was made in the very nature of God, but he didn't consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he made himself nothing. We have to know this was his choice, and you can see it when he takes off his garment in this moment. It was his choice. He took on the nature of a servant. He was made in human likeness. He was found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And the last half of that verse is, therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and everyone is going to confess that he is Lord. How good is that? Okay. So Jesus came to serve. What's the lowest job in your house? I would say for our house, it's cleaning the toilet with our teenagers and uh, taking the garbage bin out and uh, John does both of those in our house (laughs) Uh, have you ever wondered who does that at Macquarie I do have to tell you Mari Wellings hi Mari she actually cleaned our church for years and years and years years so thank you Mari for serving Uh, I thought we'd look at our security cameras to see who does it at Macquarie and we'll bust them in this moment. So let's have a look at the first one. So there it is. It's a bit far away so you can't quite see who it is. Let's just zoom in. Next one. There it is. Ian Wood. Ian Wood. This particular day. And he's double binning. Now I have to tell you we have 10 bins. It's a big job putting all the bins out. And it's more than Ian. I want you to see another picture. Okay, who's taking out the rubbish? Ivan Paulin. And actually, I've got to tell you, sometimes it's Jessica Stevenson who takes the bin out. And sometimes it's Danielle White who takes the bin out. Sometimes it's Sue Jenkins who takes the bin out. So I'm so thankful. No one knows they're doing it. But they take the bin out and there's so many things in church life that we do that is beautiful Mari washed our feet by cleaning the church for probably a decade And all of these other people join together to do these beautiful, simple jobs. There's so much to do in this house that we can do to serve each other. So I just inspire you. I thank you for whatever you're doing in the house, seen or unseen. And I inspire you to get your hand to the plough and wash each other's feet just with the simple things we can do together as a church. And a lot of you wash feet in your own worlds in the things that you do for others. And all of these things are so incredibly important. We wash each other's feet. We wash the feet of the world through all the things that we do. And one other thing about washing, for me, I have to say it's the unseen washing of the feet that's also really important. When I decide that I'm going to humble myself in a particular moment... When I decide I'm giving someone else the credit for something perhaps that we did together or that i had initiated or started, when I put anyone else before me in any moment and I humble my own internal soul, my soul can serve another person. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. So I inspire you to do that too. Alrighty. The last thing, it's so beautiful to serve, isn't it? It's beautiful. What Jesus did in that moment was Beautiful. The last thing was he made them clean. And I want to see this through the eyes of Peter because we love Peter. He says the things that we want to say. I bet all the disciples were thinking what Peter said. But when Peter says these things, Jesus puts the teaching in and we understand things at a deep level. So I don't think that we would have understood as many things if Peter didn't ask those tough questions. So go, you question askers, Danny. (laughs) Bless you. Okay, so what's he say? He says, don't wash my feet, Jesus. You can't wash my feet. Then he says, well, I I have to. You actually don't understand. I have to. But then uh, he says, all right, well, then wash my body and my feet and my hands and my head. Wash everything, which sounds very humble. But Jesus wanted to teach us this incredible theology. What does he say in verse 10? He says, no one who has bathed, anyone who does not need to wash, So the one who's bathed does not need to wash except his feet because he's completely clean. And there's really good theology in that that you need to understand. When I was a teenager, I had a fear that the rapture would come and I'd be left behind. And I thought I'd be left behind because, you know, I, conf- I became a Christian, but I thought every time I did something wrong, I would need to confess that. And if, I, if Jesus returned in between any of my confessions, it would be too late and I'd have to stay through to the end on the earth. Uh, but Jesus makes it clear in the, this moment, you are actually already saved. That's salvation. When you choose to believe in Jesus Christ, that's salvation. Then what happens is this beautiful thing called sanctification. And sanctification is just a choice for you to keep making good choices, to become more like Jesus, to follow the unction of the Holy Spirit every time He speaks, to lean in and to change. Because sanctification means being made holy. And who would have thought that we could be made holy? But He's actually calling us to personal holiness. So when you believe you're saved... And sanctification is just an invitation. So how do you do it? Um, I had a, when I have a pedicure once a year, I just ring, I book an appointment, I like my toes to look, look nice for the summer, I sit in the chair and I just let them sort my feet out to make them look beautiful. It's the same. The Bible says that you are washed by the water of the word. And it also says that washing and sanctification happens through the Holy Spirit. So just make an appointment, sit down, open the Word, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Okay, now I want to talk to you as a church. Are you ready? You know, Ros said when she launched on Vision Sunday, this is the year of the baton change between Ros and the senior leadership team. And she said, We are being positioned for the next move of God. And I really believe that. And some of these keys are part of that positioning his church for the move. He's calling us to serve each other and he's calling us to be clean. Um, in the book, in the scripture reading, it talked about how. Jesus is saying, no one is to be the greatest. And the way we're structuring our church for the future is that no one actually will be the greatest. The senior leadership together, supported by the board and the elders, this is a team. No one is the greatest. Only Jesus Christ is going to be the greatest in our church. And we defer to each other and different people lead in different moments depending on the gift and the grace that is on their lives. And I believe this anointing is meant for the whole church as you serve each other in, and lead in your own moments in accordance with the gift and the grace that is on your life. That is the blessing. And Jesus promised us a blessing in this scripture. He told us we'd be blessed if we do these things, didn't he? Yeah. And so you are his royal priesthood, church. You've heard that a few times now this year. But with the royal priesthood, interesting thing. When they became priests, they had this ceremonial washing. Sounds like salvation, doesn't it? And then in the tabernacle, every time before they came to minister, there was this thing called the bronze laver, which was a giant bowl. And when they came into the house, into the tabernacle, they were meant to wash their hands and their feet. Sounds like the washing of Jesus' feet. Sounds like the process of sanctification. That as we come into the house and when we go into the world to minister, we just have that moment with Jesus where we let Him wash our feet. And I don't have to tell you, like, there's different things that unfold through our life. Our feet get dirty because we walk in the world, it's just the way it is. So we come to Jesus, we let Him wash our feet, and we listen to the word of the Holy Spirit. And last week, after one of the services, I was talking to someone. And I realized as I walked home from church that I got a wrong attitude about something. It's the Holy Spirit revealing it to me. So I just confessed in that moment. It wasn't anyone in the eight. It was after the 10. But I just confessed in that moment, God, that was the wrong attitude. Really sorry. And that's as easy as it is. Don't be scared about repentance because I'm calling you to it. And this is about keeping short accounts with God. Amen. Okay, so I want to pray for you. We're going to do a prayer of sanctification. Close your eyes. Let's pray. Lean into this moment. You know, what you expose yourself to and what you tolerate, you won't stop your salvation. You are saved but it can put you in danger of the flow of God in your life. We are the body of Christ and Jesus said in the passages earlier, if you don't, you have no part in me. If you don't do this, allow me to wash your feet. You have no part in me and we are his body. So take up your part in the body of Christ. Lord, together we choose to love each other. We choose to serve each other. God, right now in your church, I ask for clean relationships. I ask for clean marriages. We ask you for clean attitudes, clean internet searches, God, clean spaces, clean finances, clean businesses, clean homes a cleansing of the people of your church, a fresh start, a fresh start, which brings new joy and new hope because that is the blessing that comes with a spirit that's ready to be clean. Amen. Now that's a prayer of sanctification. We're also going to do a prayer of salvation this morning, the two things. And so close your eyes again because I'm going to pray this prayer and if you have not Made a prayer of salvation in your life before and you want to, this is for you. So as we pray, I want you to lift your hand and lift your heart. So God, I recognize my need for salvation. I choose to believe in you in this moment. So if that's you, lift your hand and we thank you for the cross, for taking on the sin of the world. And for now, choosing to keep a close relationship with me, to keep my feet clean, Jesus. So I commit to following you from this day forward. Amen. Amen. Well done, church. Now, one last thing I have to tell you. Jesus, he had the towel wrapped around his waist. And after he washed each person's feet, he took off the towel and he wiped their feet. So, I'm saying this to tell you, Jesus is not going to let you drip dry. He's going to do a full, complete work that's promised in His Word. So, whatever you commit to when Jesus washes your feet, just know He's going to do a full, thorough, dry work in your life. Amen? All right. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit